certain styles of prayer. You with me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have a think about that. Because I know you're very contemplative. (laughs) So I do want to just talk to you tonight about alignment because I think the whole secret to to seeing um, productivity and fruitfulness in prayer is about alignment. It's not about how good you are at praying. It's about whether or not you're aligned with his heart in your praying. So, you know, Jesus' prayer, uh, right at the end of his ministry, it's really interesting that the only things he was really concerned about, uh, in John John 13, 35, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's That's the standard. And he said, if you do this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. See, so that's, that was the first thing that he was really concerned about. So he wasn't worried about church structure, who was going to be the next bishop. He wasn't worried about any of that stuff. He didn't tell them how to run the, the community. He didn't tell them how to, how to do all that stuff. He just said to them, I want you to love one another. And if you get this and you do this, the whole world is going to know that you're my disciples. And then when he's talking to the Father in John 17, about verse 23, he says, Father, that they may, may be one just as you and I are one, no pressure, so that the world may know that you have loved me and etc., etc. That it's, it's a proof that we're walking with him when we find that place of unity. Disunity, disagreement, is not a sign of whether or not Christianity is true or not. It's whether or not people are aligned with the heart of the Father. The more that we're aligned with the heart of God, the more we are able to be united. Because it's no longer about my opinion versus your opinion. It's about us dying to our preferences and allowing God's opinion to flow through us. And you might find out that you end up being more Pentecostal than you ever imagined you would be or wanted to be simply because you got aligned with what God was doing in that moment. But in another moment, you might find yourself just sitting in stunned silence on the top of a hill for three weeks because that's what God's doing in you and through you and with you at that time. So you get what I'm saying? So I've been in the same church for 40 years um, as part of the leadership structure. I became, and I became the senior leader and then... Ten years ago, I, I installed someone else as the senior leader so Mary and I could have a happy life. And, um, you know, Scotty is, is bound to be stalking somebody right now. <laughs> but he probably hasn't told anybody yet. But, you know, you know, once you become a senior leader of a church community, the, the thing you next work on the most is how to get out of it. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? But, um, you know, what I've discovered is I watch people struggling in their journey with God because they're trying to make the Bible work for them. And you've got to stop doing that. Stop trying to make the Bible work for you. The Bible's an amazing book. The most amazing thing about it is it's really confusing. You know, it has, it has lots of stuff in it that can be really confusing to us, especially if we're not putting it in the context of the heart of God. Because he's the one that can interpret the book much more than we are able to do so. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't study and, and seek to, to grow in our understanding of Scripture and what Scripture is saying. Um, but it's so much more important to understand what God thinks 
the scripture is saying than what we think the scripture is saying. And that's a relational agenda. So the thing that changed my life about uh, five years ago, um, and it was like I had a mini revival, is that I stopped talking at God and I started talking with God. And that totally changed my life. So my prayers weren't about this list of asking or telling him a whole lot of stuff he already knew, but it was more about saying, so God, what do you want to say to me today? What is it that you have to say about this? What, what do you want me to say to Blueprint Church? I wonder if you can remember the, the word that I brought to the church in 2013. Can anybody remember that? Of course you can't. It's ridiculous. You can't remember that far back. Right? Yes? Oh, sorry. Was that about God's love? It's nearly always about God's love, Jesus. <laughs> but this is, what he, this is just a little bit of what he said to me about you in 2013. He said, you are the lens through which I focus my light. You're not a perfect lens, but my light is pure and can overcome all the impurities that mar your lens. I thought that was pretty good. I would never have thought of that. You focus on your impurities, but I focus on what is being reflected on your lens that is of me. And it went on, etc., etc. So I was more concerned about what God might be saying to Blueprint than what I could say to Blueprint. And I've got that there, and I can give that to Scotty at some stage, because he probably didn't write it down at the time. I don't think I was leading at the time. No, you probably weren't. That's true. But, you know, I, I really want to say to you about this thing of prayer that produces supernatural results is about getting, really getting in touch with the, the reality that you have been born again into a, an adoption that makes you spiritual sons and daughters of the Most High God. That, that is really what makes our prayer spiritual. Otherwise, we're just... Often Christians are just like any other religious person who's speaking to their idol, hoping somehow that this object that they pour out their, their requests on is going to solve their problem. Whereas when you enter into a relationship with him, when you're, when you're really connected at the heart with him, then you know. And that's what, exactly what it says in, in John um, Sorry, in 1 John 5, it says this, in 1 John 5, um, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. I looked up anything in the dictionary, it means anything. And, and what is his will? His will is that we ask because he's the father and we're the kid. And that's what kids do all the time. Dad, can I have the car? You got five bucks. The amazing thing about Brooke Turner is he always knew when I had money in my pocket. He said, Dad, you haven't got a couple of bucks, have you? And I think, how does he know? <laughs> Most of the time I'd go to church with no money and he'd come up to it, Dad, have you got a couple of bucks? And he always knew I had money. It was a spiritual gift, I'm sure. <laughs> Either that was witchcraft or something. <laughs> and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. We know that we have it. Now, that's a relational reality. I think the reason so many people don't see results in prayer is they doubt their relationship with God. And it's, it's clear in James that if you doubt, you cannot expect to receive anything from God. 
So it all comes back to that relational agenda. So right now, what I see happening in the body of Christ, and it's happening all over, it's, it's, it's happening in big churches, it's happening in little churches, it's happening in people's homes. God is calling people to align themselves with his heart. Because when we're aligned with his heart, success is assured. So we don't have to try and get into a theological discussion about whether or not God wants to heal a person of cancer or um, bring them out of intensive care. We just have to say, God, we have to align ourselves with God's heart and say, God, what do you want to speak into this situation? How do you want me to pray? Not according to my will, but according to your will. How do you want me to pray? We don't have to make a decision. It's not our decision. You know, if you want a scripture, does God want to heal everybody? It's, it's Psalm 103, verse 3. You know, praise be the God of it, uh, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all our sins. We all agree he forgives all our sins, right? And heals all our diseases. So God puts healing and, and the forgiveness of sins in exactly the same sentence. He forgives all our sins and he heals all our diseases. Why are we, have we got such a low uh, success rate when it comes to the healing of all our diseases? It's because it's an alignment issue. And our heads are much more dominant around the issue of supernatural healing than our hearts are. So we, we're pretty confident, most of us who are believers in, in Jesus, that he has forgiven our sins. Even though we struggle with, with our struggles, we, we basically have believed the gospel that God has forgiven us. He's, he's no longer holding a, a, a writ over us. It's been cancelled. You're free. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? I can say hallelujah because I am a Pentecostal. Is that right? Can we say hallelujah together? Oh, I'm just teasing with you. Anyway, the thing is, though, you see, for me, I've grown up most of my Christian life in the Pentecostal tradition, but I found the religiosity of Pentecostalism really oppressive because it, it was so, it, it felt so um, um, linked to success or failure. And, and so you, we, you can get positioned to the point where you don't want to pray anymore because you're afraid of having to deal with what if nothing happens. And, and, it's, and it makes it all about you instead of all about him. So it's, this is an alignment issue. God wants to bring us into alignment. And when we stand there in alignment, it's really easy to pray um, the way God wants us to pray. Now, uh, I was just looking in um, Ephesians 6, which is a scripture we all know really well. And it's, it's the scripture that talks about um, being strong in the Lord and putting on the, the whole armor of God and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's got this little verse in verse 18, and it says this. I think it's verse 18. I hope it's verse 18. Come on. Here we go. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions. In the Spirit. So that means... When we're being contemplative, we need to be in the spirit as well. Because it says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, keep, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And as I've thought about that, and as I'm thinking about tonight, I want to say, I was going to say two things, but I'm going to say a lot more than two things, so... But I want to remind you of two things. So first of all, you are spiritual people. 
because you were made in the image of God. And that means you were made spiritual because God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So human beings were made spiritual. And from the very beginning, God breathed his ruach, his numa into our lungs so that we became living beings. We are spiritual beings. We are, we are spiritual. But the issue of, of Christian enlightenment is whether or not God's spirit has been given total freedom to take us on a journey into the fullness of what it means to be a Christ follower. And the fullness of what it means to be a Christ follower is actually to be like him. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God then. No pressure. As dearly beloved children. See, it's a relational thing. The alignment is relational. It's always relational. And so often our prayers don't seem to be effective because we're trying to pray transactionally instead of relationally. We're trying to pray out of principle instead of from the heart, which is connected and aligned with God's heart. This is transforming when you, when you stop trying to think of how I should pray and then say, so God, what are you saying? It starts to be about what he wants to say over a person's life. I said to him, I said, so Father, why is it that you say, when you pray to me, pray like this? That you don't need us to think up our own prayers. He said, because, and I asked him, I said, so why do you, you have to tell us how we should pray when we're asking you for something? And he said, because my words in your mouth are more powerful than your words in your mouth. So if we get aligned with him and are able to pray what is on his heart and according to his purpose and will, it will result in fruitfulness. But if we're just trying to pray out of, out of our own concern, out of our own um, understanding, now, if that's enlightened by the work of God in your life, that's a good thing. But if it's not, if you, you know, many times we're praying out of desperation. We're praying out of, out of a sense of need, out of a sense of deficit, out of a sense of loss, out of the sense of defeat. Rather than, you know what? My father loves me, and I know he loves you. And as long as I align myself with that position, when I pray, it's going to have power. Well, you kicked it out, didn't you? Yeah, right. So, here's a story for you, just to, so you're not bending your thoughts around my brain dump. Um, Mira and I have just had two weeks teaching down in the South Island, and uh, we were teaching in a, a YWAM school. And in this school, there was an older lady. She was probably, her and her husband probably our age or a little bit older maybe. It's hard to tell. I still think of myself as young, um, but I'm not. <laughs> and um, just while I was teaching during this, this first week of the class, um, suddenly she, the, the sound went very loud for her, just like that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, she quickly turned down her hearing aid because, you know, it just it spiked on her. And then later, in the, in the, when the class broke for a break and everybody was chatting, oh, she had to turn her hearing aid down again. And eventually in the afternoon, she took her hearing aid out. Now, she'd been deaf since 2001. 
She'd been wearing hearing aids for, since, you know, for 16, 15 or 16 years. And um, <coughs> profoundly deaf without her hearing aid, you know, unable to hear. And God opened her ears when she was just sitting in the class and nobody laid a hand on her and I wasn't even speaking about healing. I mean, what's with that? And so, you know, I'd actually been praying for a long time. God, I, I just want you to show up and start healing people so people realize that you're in the house. And it's not about what we have to do to get you to heal. It's about that if we just align ourselves with what you're doing and agree with you, you'll just do what you do because that's what you love to do. And it started to happen. And we've seen some other things like that that are, that are really encouraging, where we're not trying, we're not putting the pressure on ourselves to try and produce a result. We're aligning ourselves with the Father and we're basically saying, well, not my will, but I will be done. Lord, this, this person really needs your help. But Lord, how can we pray? How can we pray for this person in a way that's going to really bless them and really be in alignment with, with your heart? And very often I think, you know, the best way to pray for people is to bless them. Bless them with a revelation of God's love and ask God to reveal himself to them. Now, uh, a lot of people put conditions on their responses to God. Or even on their prayerfulness. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And God, if you show up, if you help me with this, then I'll do that for you. You know? And but that's, you know, if I did that with my wife, it wouldn't be a great relationship. You know, it's not it's not a transactional relationship. It's a relationship of give and take. It's a conversation. It's a it's a I care about what you think. Do you care about what I think? Yes, of course I care about what you think. When I found out that God cared about what I think, it changed my life. I said, but God, you know, my thinking is just so mixed up with all kinds of stuff and I can't work out all the answers. He said, no, that's why you need me. And so we want to move into a supernaturalness that is much more profoundly evident than what has been seen in the church in the last hundred years or so. You know, at the beginning of the Pentecostal movement in the late 1800s, there, there started to be people who were seeking after God with all their hearts and all their soul and all their being for a fresh move of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some very strange things happened at the beginning. But, you know, there, was, there were people who spent weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks seeking God for him to pour out his supernaturalness in, his, in their lives. And nothing happened. And they kept coming back week after week. They were called tarry meetings. You know, we, we today, in, even in, in conservative church circles, pray one prayer and are disappointed if we don't get an answer. We've lost that sense of what is it going to take for us to become completely aligned with God's heart. Not with a particular movement or style of church that appeals to us, but completely in alignment with him, no matter what it means in terms of how, what we look like after being really aligned with him. See? We no long, what if we're no longer cool? What if we no longer, you know, what if we no longer can just contain our Christianity in a nice tidy package inside our nice tidy lives? where we don't have to let it show unless we're with people that we want to let it show. 
What if God shows up and starts doing really unusual and strange things? Will we immediately deem it of the devil because it's not what we're used to? Because that's generally what has happened over the years, right from the day of Pentecost. You know, the moment God turned up on that first Pentecost day, everybody thought they were drunk. And they were probably Anglicans, so it could have been true. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just... (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? People have been making judgments against the unusual manifestations of God's presence as registering in a human, a weak human, frail human body. And you know, often when God touches people, they do respond in unusual ways. What we need to be able to work out is this a, a work of God, or is this just a reaction of humanity, or is it the working of some kind of demonic spiritual force? And I think that the gift of God's spirit that is most lacking in the body of Christ is that discernment of spirits. Is it, is it a human spirit reacting here? Is it a Holy Spirit reaction here, or is it a demon spirit reaction? And sometimes people think any reaction is a demon. Or any reaction is the flesh. But if you thought that about the irrationality of love, we'd never get married, would we? Seriously. Try and explain that one. Why do people fall in love with one another? It's a kind of insanity. You can't really explain it, you know? Have you ever sat in a in a in a airport and looked at people getting off airplanes and think, I wonder what she saw in him. She looks quite young, he looks quite old. You you know, have you ever done that? (laughs) I'm an observer of people, you know. My friend said, are you a pervert? I said, no, I just am interested in people. You know? Trying to, trying to understand what it is, what it is in the, the chemistry of humanity that's mental, emotional, and even chemical that causes people to fall madly in love with one another. And in the same way, the spirit realm is, is mysterious as well. And we need to be asking God, God, show me. Show me, first of all, my spirituality. Because I think, you know, my 40 years of being involved in church leadership is watching whole bunches of humans trying to get spiritual when they already are. We don't have to try to be spiritual. We are spiritual. It's about us becoming aligned with what that really means and discovering the reality of God in it because he's deposited his Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Romans 8 verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So therefore, you are spiritual or you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, you still might be spiritual because it doesn't mean you haven't got a spirit if you're not a Christian. It just means your spirit has not been made alive by the Holy Spirit. Lots of people are seeking spiritual reality, but not in a Christian context. So we need to understand that as human beings, you're going to be drawn and thirsting towards a spirituality. And if we, if we don't find that satisfaction in our relationship with God, we will look for it somewhere else because we're spiritual beings looking for a home, a spiritual home. Now, where does this put us when it comes to prayer? It's about the prayer that's going to really work the prayer that is really going to make a difference in the world 
is the prayer that is coming directly from the mouth of God. Not the prayer that's just coming out of our assessment of the situation. Now, does that prayer have value? Of course it does. We're children. We can ask our Heavenly Father anything. But the prayer that's going to make a difference in the world, the prayer that's going to change the atmosphere, is the, the prayer that is the breaking of light into darkness. And that's the kind of prayer that we need to get in, in, in connection with. You know, it says this in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now what Paul was talking about here was not somehow finding the spiritual equipment to become what we need to become. What he was saying was, you need to be aligned with who Christ is in you. You know, the armor of God is not something you put off. It's a person that you never take off. And he is our salvation. He is our righteousness. He is our truth. He is our peace. He is, he is the, the sword of the Spirit. His, his, the mighty word of God comes out of his mouth. It's not, it's not just quoting scriptures at ourselves that is powerful. Although there's nothing wrong with acquiring a knowledge of Scripture. Please don't take offense. But it's actually knowing that what is coming out of my mouth right now is exactly what God would say in that situation. That's what has the power. That's what penetrates into, into the darkness. And sometimes that is a quotation of Scripture, but sometimes it needs to be actually a direct word from the heart of God to a specific person. So, what would that look like? Who, when you don't know how to pray, because it's an issue of loving them through, through a prayer rather than trying to answer their issues through prayer. Mm, okay. when, because the, the power of God, the significance of God in prayer, in what we call Spirit-led prayer, the significance is that God's power, God's ideal effect for a person is conveyed through love. It's not conveyed through eloquence or, or through understanding. It's conveyed, conveyed through love. So if you just really love someone and, and just say, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. I just want to bless this person. I know you want to bless them. I pray that you reveal their blessing. When you just start to go down that road, God begins to really impart a solution into that person's spirit. Even if it's not an answer to their big question at that moment, it actually is like speaking light into the darkness. So why don't we have a little practice? Is that a good idea? Yes. <laughs> so have a little practice. Now, you, don't, you can do it with a complete stranger, and there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you remember that the whole goal of when you're going to pray for somebody is you're not going to ask them what you want me to pray for, because that can just bind you up. You can, oh man, I don't know if I can pray for that. I don't know. It's better not to ask. Don't ask them what can I pray for. Just, just ask, can I pray for you? Can I pray that God would really bless you in your circumstances right now? whatever that is, and just begin to release a blessing from your heart 
to that person. And you will find that as you release that blessing, as you begin to speak out that blessing, it will take on a prophetic form. After you think, I don't know why I said that. But they'll know why you said it, because it was just what they needed to hear. Okay? Are you brave enough to have a go at this? If you're a visitor tonight and you thought, oh man, if I knew it was going to be like this, I wouldn't come. Um, that's all right. You can, you can abdicate. If you're a blueprinter, you can't abdicate, right? Because here you are, you're, here you are right here, you know, 100 metres away from a rise church. Come on. <laughs> They're not the only people who are arising, you know. We're arising too. Hallelujah. So, so I want you to, I want you to, be confident that the, the one who is in you has the power to bless. And you don't have to determine the outcome. You just have to be, you have to be a blesser. That's all you have to be. It's easy. It's absolutely easy. And you, people might be healed. People might be encouraged. People might start to cry when you start praying for them. They may just sit there like a lump of wood and you might think nothing has happened. And then they go home tonight and have an outstanding dream. And they go, wow, that prayer really worked, you know. It doesn't matter. You're not responsible for the outcome. You're responsible for being a channel of God's love and blessing through prayer into a person's life. And you don't have to determine the outcome. Is that cool? So let's have a little practice. Now, if you really don't want to do it, you can, you can sit there with your arms folded, shop shut, and that's totally fine. You can do that. But give it a go. You know, the weak and the foolish things of the world... Are the, are the ones that God uses. The people who most think they're incapable of being um, a minister of supernatural prayer into people's lives are often the ones that God wants to use. So just to practice, practice. If you're with someone you know, who you know well enough, just say, can I practice with you? And don't ask them questions. Don't say, what do you need prayer for? Because they say, look, I need a million dollars by next week. <laughs> you know, you might not have a million dollar faith yet, you know. Just pray. And, and if you do end up praying for their finances, that's a good thing. You know, just, just flow. I just want to love on you and bless you. Can you do that? Give it a go. Okay, I'll give you five minutes. That means two and a half minutes each. We don't need long prayers. Jesus didn't pray long prayers. He said, be healed. You know, short prayers. So let's just pray for each other. Two and a half minutes each. There you go. As you start to just flow with what God's doing, um, it stops being something that you feel like you've got to try to do, and it starts being an overflow of a reality in your life. Because remember, it's about being aligned with God's heart. I've got a funny story about flying home from Auckland on an aeroplane. It was a particularly rough day, and I was on the, on the window seat, and this lady came in very late onto the plane, and she sat down beside me. She was an older lady with grey hair. And, and she, I said, you, you look a bit flustered. She said, oh, yes. She said, I, she said it was my wife. Um, and, and she said, yes, I've just come from Tauranga. And it was a terrible flight. And she said, I hate flying. And I just, she said, I'm so sick. And I've had to rush and get straight onto this plane. And, um, and so she put on a belt. And we started to, I closed up the door. And we started to taxi. And she pulls out the, the sick bag out of the seat. And I oh, my gosh, I'm not having this, you know, I'm not having some woman vomiting and beside me. And, and anyway, I was, I, before that I said to her, so, you know, um, what do you do? And she said, oh, I'm, I work for the diocese in Palmerston North, and um, uh, the Catholic diocese, and she, I said, oh, I'm a pastor at, at, at um, Gateways Church, and she wasn't, didn't seem particularly impressed with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> And anyway, um, as we're taxiing down the, the runway, she pulls out the sick bag and she puts it up to her mouth and she starts heaving. And I, and I just immediately, without thinking, 
And this is what happens, you know. I wasn't trying to think anything. I wasn't trying to be anything. But I suddenly thought, I am not going to have some woman vomiting beside me on the aeroplane. So I clapped my hands on her. I said, I bind the spirit of sickness in Jesus' name. And she jumped back like, 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 like she was just so shocked. Obviously, you haven't had someone do that kind of prayer for. And of course, if I'd asked her, would you like prayer? She would have said no. So I didn't ask her. I just laid hands on her. I commanded that sickness to stop in Jesus' name. And the plane took off into the air and we were all over the place. And, and she put the bag down on her lap. And, and then she put the bag back in the pocket. And then she sat there quietly for the rest of the, for the, rest of the flight, the hour flight. And I didn't talk to her because I, I knew that I had definitely crossed her boundary. Um, but when she was getting up to leave at Palmerston North, I said, I hope you have a lovely day. And um, she said, well, thank you. And she walked out, you know. Now, I've got to say to you, I did not plan to, um, to intervene in someone's life like that. You know, it was like, when I look at it now, I'm actually shocked about myself that I did it. But the fact is, it was, it was the outflow of something, of the unction of God in my life that happened in that moment. Now, I don't go around clapping hands on strangers without permission. Um, it's not my natural thing. But it's like when you start to align yourself with the heart of God and what he's doing around you, you'll be amazed at how often it becomes a prophetic thing. So, my final comment, and then we'll, we'll pray for each other again, because I've probably gone way over time. I haven't even been watching it. Yeah, I haven't seen you watching Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that is I do want to just address the issue of align, how to align yourself with the, in the heart of the Father when it comes to praying and having more and more confidence to pray in the Spirit. And, you know, the thing, the thing that God wants you to do is, is to be totally confident that you're in the flow of God's heart when you're in the place of prayer. Many Christians spend way too much time apologising for what they are not. Oh God, I'm sorry, you know, I should have been more prayer, you know, I, I haven't prayed for a few days, and Lord, I haven't read the Bible for a week. And, you know, people apologise all the time for what they're not, instead of saying, God, what do you want to say to me right now? When, when God started to speak to me, in this, in this new conversational style, he didn't talk to me about any of my issues or any of my problems. He didn't talk to me. I don't want to talk about that. I want to speak to who you are, John, and not to who you are not. I want you to start to have confidence. You don't have confidence if you're constantly rehearsing all your faults and all your weaknesses and, and all the things that you don't know how to do. And, you know, we do that all the time. So it, it becomes unnatural for us to, to, to act boldly in our prayer for other people because we are, we're constantly second-guessing ourselves as, as not being what we should be and... You know, I'm, I'm barely saved. You know, I'm really a filthy sinner saved by grace. And, and, you know, I'm just hoping that God will have mercy. No, 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 no. We're sons and daughters. You're no longer that person. It's clear in Ephesians 4. You've put off that old self corrupted by its evil desires. You're being made anew in the attitude of your mind and putting in on your new self to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's who we are. And we've, we've got to start aligning ourselves with who God has called us to really be rather than constantly apologising for what we are not, because there's no, there's no power in that kind of prayer. It's not that that kind of prayer of, of humble um, reflection and 
contrition before God doesn't have its place in the devotional space. Absolutely. But it's not take the world by storm kind of prayer. We've got to learn that, you know, Jesus said, if, if, if you, anyone who believes in me will do the things I've been doing. Anyone. And, we, and, we, and greater things. That's right, Jess. But the thing is, it's about are we aligned in the Father's heart or we, are we still standing at a bit of distance, second-guessing ourselves and wondering, you know, am I really worthy? And you know, the truth is, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Only he's worthy. But as we align ourselves with him, we stand in him. We, we take our stand then in the full armour of God, in Christ, who is our salvation, who is our righteousness. We stand in him. Then we pray at all times in the spirit because we're in him. And that kind of prayer is going to change things. Is that cool? So to finish, is that good? We, okay. To finish, what I'd like you to do this time is I'd like you to ask the person you're going to pray for what their need is. All right? And then this is how we're going to pray. We're not going to try to pray fix-it prayers. Right? Because fix-it prayers are too... It's too easy for, to get disappointment with fix-it prayers. Because if you pray for someone who's deaf to be healed and they're not, then you're disappointed. And then you'll think, well, I'm never going to do that again. I felt so embarrassed and John made me pray. And I didn't want to pray in the first place, but now I knew that nothing was going to happen, and now nothing did happen, and I'm never going to do that again. You know? You know what I mean? No, don't pray that kind of prayer. So when a person says, you know, like, for instance, me, I've got a prolapsed mitral valve, you know, it's been like that for 10 years. 10 years ago, they told me, Mr. Turner, you will have an operation in the next 12 months, and that was 10 years ago. And... Um, my, my miracle isn't that my heart is healed, it's that God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So, you know, my heart beats at, uh, at only 68%. So Mary says, you know, if that's what John is like on 68%, what would he be like on 100%? <laughs> but the, the miracle is that God is the strength of my heart. Yeah? Psalm 73. So, if someone expresses a physical need to you, say they, they need hearing or they need healing of some condition. Instead of asking God for healing, ask God to bless their cardiovascular system. I bless your heart. I bless your cardiovascular system. I bless your immune system in Jesus' name. I bless your, I bless your mind. I bless the serotonin in your mind in Jesus' name. I just bless, 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 bless. Put so much blessing on a person physically that their body just starts to respond. You're not actually saying, be healed in Jesus' name. You're starting to be a blesser. And, and listen, it will always work. Blessing will always work. You just might not see the result that you expect, but you will see a result. If it's financial, don't ask God to fix this or fix that. Just say, oh, I just pray you'll bless it. Bless this person. Oh, you know, I'm terrible with my finances. Bless them or give them new ability to be good with their money in Jesus' name. So when someone says to you, this is my need, bless them with the provision of being able to see a result rather than trying to make the result yourself. You know what I'm saying? You understand? So for instance, if someone needs... Um, oh, what's an example? Who has a need here tonight? Okay, what's your need, Lindy? Okay, so we want to we want to bless Lindley's immune system 
and, and her sinuses that they will open and not be super sensitive to all the things in the air, in Jesus' name. So let's just, now, let me just lift up your hands here. I want everybody in the room to bless Lindy right now that in her sinuses. Just everybody out loud together. Away you go. Lord, we just bless Lindy. We bless the sinuses. Come on, it's not contemplative prayer. We're declaring a blessing on Lindy in Jesus' name. Bless you, Lord. Remove every form of allergy reaction in Jesus' name and bless her in her respiratory system that everything will work according to the original design in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.